0: When I was younger, my dad used to bring random people over for lunch after church, and it would happen most weeks. And I kind of get home and be like, I just want to go to my room and chill out. And then my mum and dad would say like, right, come down for lunch now. There'd be like random people sitting at the table, and as a teenager, be a bit like, oh, like please, I just want to eat in silence. I don't want to have to interact. Don't want to have to meet new people. Like I, I really don't want to do this. And. Um, it would happen quite often, sometimes at Christmas as well, my dad would invite people over, um, and again, it would just be like, "Oh, I can't be bothered to deal with this awkwardness, it's just annoying, but actually in hindsight, my dad was being really kind, these people often um, would have been eating lunch alone, would have been spending Christmas Day alone, um, people who are maybe going through a tough time or who are new to the church. And he would just invite them over. Like the first moment he met them, they would be around for lunch, um, like literally the next day. And um, I was a bit of a moody teenager and didn't really care about that. But my dad was just being really, really kind. And he was just showing um, kindness that, um, you know, he didn't get anything returned from it, but he was just being a kind person. And um, that's what I'm preaching about tonight is kindness and how King David shows kindness Um, So it's another sermon on our um, David's 10 rules for life. Um, And we've been doing this in the evening services, looking at um, lessons that we can learn from the life of King David. Today's rule, as I said, is about kindness. Um, So I'm just going to launch right into reading the passage. It's from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And it goes, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Zeba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Zeba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Zeba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Zeba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machia, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table." "'Mephibosheth bowed down and said, "'What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me?' "'Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, "'I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. "'You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops "'so that your master's grandson may be provided for. "'And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table.' "'Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants.' Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son son named Mekah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. So in the previous sermons, we've seen David do everything from being selected to being a king as a young boy to... Basically dancing naked in the streets, pretty much. Um, So David has many layers. He does a lot of things. But in this passage, David quite simply is being kind. A bit of a simpler message, perhaps. The context to this passage is that Saul, the previous king of Israel, and his son Jonathan were killed. So now David, who was Saul's rival to the throne, is king. Yet he is seeking out any descendants of the previous king. Jonathan was actually a very, very close friend of David. And his son, Mephibosheth, is the only known survivor to Saul's dynasty in those days it was quite customary um, for the new king to seek out any members of the previous king's family and to make sure that they were killed so that the new dynasty was completely protected. In David's dynasty Mephibosheth um, would have been a threat to him but instead of meeting him with the expected brutality and just killing him he actually meets him with unexpected kindness. So who is Mephibosheth? A bit about him. First of all that name, very difficult to pronounce Um, and considering his dad's name was Jonathan, it's a bit confusing as to where this name came from but I did research about how to pronounce it so this is the correct pronunciation apparently. Um, So we already know that he's the grandson of the king um, and a son of David's close friend Jonathan, both of them are now dead. He is also described as physically disabled. He got these injuries when he was a baby. Earlier in 2 Samuel, it tells us that when the news broke out of Jonathan and Saul's death, his nurse picked him up to flee, but in the process he fell and these lifelong injuries resulted. Now, many years later, Mephibosheth is an adult and he's being sought out by King David. David's interactions with Mephibosheth should have been violent, but instead they actually show complete kindness. Um... So I think the two things that I've drawn out from this passage that I want to chat about tonight is that it both shows God's kindness to us, but it also provides a really practical example of how we can aspire to live in kindness to others. So that's what I'm going to go ahead and unpack. So again, something from my childhood. My mum's saying to me, and I'm sure you all relate as well, don't say anything. Ni- don't say anything if you can't say anything nice at all. Um, and so that often had to be said quite a lot in my household when me and my siblings were bickering. Um, but sometimes we would take it a bit far and we'd be bickering, and my mom would say, "Right, don't say anything nice. Don't say anything. If you- don't say anything nice. No, just don't say anything if you can't say anything nice." But we would take it too far and be like, "Right, well, I'm just not going to speak to any of my siblings for the next day, two days, three days." Um, and it just got to the point where my mom would be like, "Okay, please just actually speak." to your siblings Uh, but it is a fair lesson to be taught to stop us being mean or rude to other people but actually it's also saying you don't have to be kind you can just be neutral not give any kindness just restrain yourself from not giving any rudeness Um, but if Jesus had this attitude towards us with all the sin and brokenness in the world there maybe wouldn't actually be anything that can vouch for us deserving his kindness or his love but yet Jesus gives it to us anyways um, God's kindness goes beyond boundaries and beyond expectations. So when we look at this passage, we can see that David completely goes in the opposite direction of what is expected with his kindness. He goes after the person he's supposed to kill and the person that doesn't deserve his kindness, but he actually gives him the ultimate treatment of love. And we can look at this event and use it to show how Jesus seeks us out and gives us his kindness despite our failings or our lack of perfection When we read this passage, it mentions twice about the physical disability that Mephibosheth has. To us, it might seem kind of strange or unnecessary that this was mentioned as like a defining description of Mephibosheth. But at that time, culturally, a physical disability meant that you were treated the lowest in society. Old Testament law meant that Mephibosheth would not be able to enter the temple due to his blemishes. In the Old Testament, the temple was where the priests would go to give offerings and experience and draw near to God. So Mephibosheth would never be able to draw near to God in their eyes. He also wasn't a viable worker, a viable warrior, so he would have been seen as an outcast in society and would have been seen as unfit to be in the presence of a king. Yet that's who David invites in and that's who David goes after. You can even kind of see it in the way that the passage is written that the writer is absolutely shocked that someone with Mephibosheth's circumstances would be invited into the king's presence. I kind of think it's hilarious that if we read the last verse, it says, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. So it's like they finished the story, but they just had to remind us that Mephibosheth had this physical disability. It's like the writer was mind blown that this event even happened. The sequence of events is so unlike how it predictably should have gone. I think we can translate that exactly into what Jesus has done for us. Um, Our sin has separated us from God and made us unable to be in his presence because he's completely holy but then Jesus comes along and changes that. By sending Jesus to the earth to die on the cross he can take the blames for our sins so we can be in God's presence through these actions, God is finding a way to get close to us. He is seeking us out and bringing us into his presence. And even though our sin makes us imperfect, we can come into his perfect presence. I think as well, this passage also shows David's kindness completely changes Mephibosheth's value in himself. And I think that's how God can transform us as well. If we read verse 8, it says, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? He literally called himself a dead dog, which is to compare himself to the nastiest thing he could think of, because for Jews, a dog was the most repulsive animal. And on top of that, a dead dog meant that it was really unclean. So he was saying, I'm repulsive and I'm unclean. And to be quite honest, reading this verse, it breaks my heart a little bit that Mephibosheth sees himself that low At first I thought, how can someone see themselves like that? And then it dawned on me pretty quickly that it's actually not that hard to imagine it. I've seen myself in that place at some points in my life. Um, For example, when I was younger, I destroyed myself with bad eating habits, but I still couldn't look at myself without thinking that I was disgusting. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in that place right now, whether it's different circumstances, different issues, but we can see ourselves as nothing more than unworthy or repulsive. Whatever it looks like, we've put ourselves down and we say words over ourselves that put such a negative value on us. But if we read verse 11, it says that Mephibosheth ate at David's tables like one of his sons. David gives Mephibosheth privileges of a king's family, even though he isn't a king and he actually should be the enemy. The fact that he said he could eat at his table continually gave Mephibosheth the honour of a really close relationship with the king. Mephibosheth saw himself as low as a dog and perhaps the rest of society did as well. So it wouldn't have been that shocking for David to have treated him the same. But he didn't. Instead, he treated him like the son of a king, gave him the complete opposite honour than, than what he thought he deserved. And that's how God sees us too. Despite what we see of ourselves, God's kindness to us means that we receive an inheritance or a gift of being a son and daughter or daughter of God, without needing to deserve it. By Jesus closing the gap between us and God, we are given a sonship or a daughtership through Jesus to inherit a promise of salvation and eternity with Jesus. We don't deserve it, and we haven't done anything to earn it, but it's just given to us freely. When we view ourselves as low or undeserving, even that doesn't deter God from... But in it, Actually, in fact, it, he gives us this value of being sons and daughters of a king. God doesn't take away the things that we don't like about ourselves, but instead he empowers us into the status of royalty as we are. He wants us and sees us as we are and loves us like that because of Jesus. God sees us in our low self-esteem, in our self-loathing, in in whatever it is, whatever place we're in. He still places that title of royalty on our head. And like, what kindness is that? Who does that? But God does do that. He looks at how we label and treat ourselves and says, you're not that, you're a son and daughter of a king and you will eat at my table forever. And I think that's how transformational God's kindness is. It gives us value way more than what we can even comprehend or what we could ever be. And I think it's good and well enough that we can know this truth. We know about God's kindness and it means being invited into his presence and that he seeks us and is kind to us. But to really feel and experience that is another thing. I'm going to pray for this at the end of the sermon, but I just wanted to say that this is something that we can feel and experience in our day-to-day lives. This passage demonstrates David's kindness um, in such a mirror image for the way that God's kindness is given to us each day. We don't always feel that way. We don't always um, experience that, but we know it's there. But we can actually ask God for a true experience of his kindness, an experience of his presence, of his grace so that we can know in our minds, but also feel in our hearts how much he has given to us in his kindness. There are many ways we could do this, such as meditating on the truth of the Bible, um, singing it over ourselves in worship, asking the Holy Spirit into the room. And I'm not saying that we will always feel that kindness or that value, but it's there and Jesus is always seeking to give it to us. So when we have a time of worship at the end, I'm going to pray that 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 the Holy Spirit will come and intervene with those who need to feel God's kindness but even in our average day-to-day life find ways that suit you to remind yourself of what God did to us what God gave in in his salvation and see how much value he gave to us by doing that the truth that God is kind to us and wants to bless us with kindness will always be there it's just a matter of teaching ourselves to look for that despite what's going on in our lives I think as well as um, this passage being a rule for life about accepting and experiencing God's kindness, it's also quite practical on how we can live out that kindness as well. Um, There's this movement and like a foundation called Random Acts of Kindness and they have a website where people can anonymously write their acts of kindness. And I was reading through it and it was actually really nice to see what other people are doing. Um, Some of the ones you can tell are written by kids and they're quite funny, so I'm just going to read out a few. So one of them says, my sister does not like to play by herself, so I played with her, even though I did not want to. (laughs) Another one says, one time my friend was being nice to a group of kids. A kid was making fun of me, and I said, don't even get me started on your hair. My friend was kind to both of us, and that made me see that I should be nice too. If I'm kind, I will have more friends. (laughs) And then there's just some really sweet ones that said, I gave my lunch money to someone who needed it more. I was at school, we were at lunch, when my friend saw this girl eating alone. So I asked her if she wanted to sit with us. And these stories are actually really heartwarming and uplifting. And it's clear that there are a lot of people out there doing um, practically living out um, kindness. But to be honest, and I know this is true for myself, kindness that doesn't benefit ourselves in any way is often something that's quite easily forgotten. Um, And like I said, I know it's quite true in my life, so I'm preaching to myself when I say this as well. But when we read the passage, that word kindness, um, in Hebrew, the original translation is this word hesed, which in other places in the Bible is translated into words such as, such as loving kindness, grace, mercy, favour. And from these meanings, we can see that favour is shown out of the goodness of one's heart, but not because it's earned or deserved. We can carry out the same kindness that we talked about God giving, God giving to us, We should seek out our enemies, seek to bless them. We should look for the poor, the weak, oppressed and bless them. We should bless others when they don't deserve it and bless them more than they deserve. David even says it himself. He wants to show God's kindness that he has experienced to others. Jackie Pullinger says, The desperately poor are not going to come to us to hear the good news. We have to go to them. For those of you who don't know who Jackie Pullinger is, at the age of 22, she felt God telling her to go to Hong Kong and spread the word about Jesus. She ended up going to the Kowloon Walled City, which in her time was unpoliced and was a massive hub for opium production, drug dealing and gangs. So she really knew what it meant to give kindness and expect nothing in return. And this quote sums up exactly that. We can't wait for people to come to us to be deserving of our kindness, to be good enough to warrant our kindness. The people that need it most will be unable or unwilling to do that. And I think that's what can make it hard about giving kindness. It can feel the opposite of what we want to do or what we're expected to do. And it was the same with David. He would have been expected to have sought out Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. To kill him, except he went in the opposite direction and gave him more grace and more kindness than than was expected or deserved. And like we can be honest and admit that it's hard. Showing kindness isn't always easy or it isn't always the natural response in certain situations, but this passage also shows how we can do it. Again, David specifies that it's God's kindness that he's showing. We don't have to rely on our own strength or even our own reasoning to justify where we should be kind to people. Instead, we can think about God's kindness showing no boundaries and putting value on others even when we might not see value on them. And I think this can actually be quite a relief for us. We don't have to search for logical reasoning as to why we have to be kind. We just can because we know that God sees that person and loves that person and we have to respond the same. It's not our place to choose who deserves kindness or not when God has given us complete, conditional, complete unconditional kindness. And I think kindness can be a really powerful statement as well. We were saying before that for King David to show kindness to someone with physical disabilities like Mephibosheth was not expected of him as king. And while I'm glad to say we've progressed from that attitude um, to a point of inclusivity in our society, we still have a really long way to go. Our kindness can be used to show compassion to marginalised communities, to oppressed communities, and to make a statement that shows how Jesus loves those people where so many people on earth don't. Again, our kindness isn't used to make gain for ourselves, but it's a way to show God's kindness, to show how God kindly gave us his son so that we could have a relationship with him without us even deserving it. David chose to use his words to build up Mephibosheth rather than tear him down. and I think the application for this one is quite clear. It's not easy, but we are called to be kind people especially people who don't deserve it or can give nothing in return. That's who we're called to be kind to. And our kindness can be a statement to show that how we really treat people better than what is expected or even accepted as standard in our society. We have to lay down what feels easier and safer. It might be easier to not not act and not show any kindness at all. We have to seek out those that need our kindness and know that it is not our kindness that we're giving, but really it's God's kindness that we're showing. And we know we can give this kindness because Jesus died for us and that sets the ultimate example of unconditional kindness. We don't have to find reason except to just do it because God did it for us first.